Hey everybody, welcome to The Light Angle. Today is February 27th, 2023. My name is Jack. How are y'all doing? Hope you had a great weekend and uh, hope you're enduring winter again. Um, yeah, sorry. Especially those of you to the north who just got dumped on with a bunch of snow and are probably getting more today. That's that's what it is. It's winter. Right? What do you want me to tell you? But um, for the rest of you, hope you all uh, were able to get outside and enjoy good weather if you had some. If not, hope you just got outside. You know, do what you're uh, do what you're supposed to do. Get some fresh air and some sunlight. It'll help you feel better. Anywho, I got a couple articles this week. Um, and I know I promised that we would be doing 2023 with no bad news, uh, all good news, but I think this is important as Christians, we should have a prayer life, right? We should be spending time every single day in conversation with our creator, you know, and and keep in mind folks, when I say that he's not a genie, all right, (laughs) the almighty is not here to, uh, give us what we, you know, all of our wants, uh, we are supposed to bring everything that's troubling him or troubling us to him. But, uh, you know, he's not a genie, but saying that we're supposed to have a prayer life. We're supposed to be in constant conversation with him, you know, and we're supposed to be, you know, living a spiritual life as Christians. And so my first article, I wanted to bring your attention in hopes that you could bring this into your prayer life, because while this doesn't affect many of us, most of us probably, well, it doesn't affect any of us here in the United States because of our freedoms and the blessings we have on us. Uh, it does affect many parts of the uh, the rest of the world for Christians, uh, specifically China. This is from Yahoo.com, but they, it looks like they kind of took the story from Fox News. But anyway, the title is China Ramping Up Persecution of Christians as it Demands Worship and Allegiance of Xi Jinping. Hmm, that's not good. The Chinese Communist Party escalated its persecution of Christians throughout 2022 as the country clamped down on churches and online religious content while demanding allegiance to Chinese President Xi Jinping, according to a watchdog group. A report released last week by the U.S.-based non-governmental organization ChinaAid warned that the Chinese government is using charges of fraud to financially suffocate the house church movement, which consists of Christian congregations that have not registered with China's official Protestant church. Authorities are using the traditional Christian practice to giving, of giving tithes and offerings to trump up charges against house churches under the measures for the financial management of religious activity venues, which were updated last June, according to the report. The report noted that multiple house church pastors and elders have been jailed and potentially face years in prison. China Aid President and Founder Bob Fu said in a statement that his organization is also gravely concerned with how state-sanctioned churches are being treated in China, which has approximately 96.7 million Christians. By using the new measures against religious content online and the infamous zero-COVID policy, authorities limited or eliminated Christian gatherings altogether. The Chinese government is also cracking down on Christian websites and apps in an attempt to remove Christianity from cyberspace, according to China Aid. Following the implementation of the administrative measurement measures for internet religious information and services, in 22, censorship of online Christian content, including even in group chats, has reached an unprecedented level. 
Catch Assist, which became China's first Christian phone app in 2013, was among those that were shut down under the new regulations because they were unable to obtain a license. China Aid's report said the app did not meet the government's requirements for the license, despite having taken various actions, including suspending sharing, changing its name, and modifying content. Fu also noted that while the Chinese government has long demanded sole allegiance to the Communist Party, in recent years it has been emphasizing allegiance to Jinping. Interesting. Before, during, and after the opening of the Congress, China's state-run religious groups lavished compliments and praise on Xi with more extravagant words and phrases than China's state-run media, showing that religious sanitization is evolving from supporting the CCP to worship and allegiance to Xi Jinping. That's scary. Their goal is not only to curate a socialist-friendly church, they hope to erase it, said Fu. The international community needs to know about these trends and developments as China continues to rise on the global stage. That's good. We need awareness. We need to be aware, even of ugly stuff. We can't just hide in this little Christian box we make for ourselves. We have to know what's going on in the world. And in some cases, we have to be ready to prepare for it. I don't want to think that here in the great United States of America. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have to... What's the phrase? Plan for the worst and hope for the best? Well, let's do one better. Let's plan for the worst and pray for the best. Yeah, that's a good idea. So also some things I want to throw in here. I think we had a show last year here on the Light Angle talking about how China has, uh, well, their Protestant church, they call it. Uh, they have their own, you know, Bible. And uh, it's it's really crazy. If, if you get some free time and you want to do some light reading, go ahead and look up uh, the Chinese Bible they got there and, well, you'll see the differences in the story of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's, it's to the point of, you know, actually being a comedy because I don't know what else to call it. But anywho, um, yeah, China's, China's doing crazy stuff. So pray for our brothers and sisters and the house churches in China because if there's anyone that needs it most, it's them right now, you know? I mean, I say that and then I think about the house churches and underground church in Iran and all throughout the Middle East. And oh my goodness. So a lot of prayer is needed. (laughs) So go ahead and take some time out of your day to, you know, pray for these folks because uh, like I said, they need it. Uh, It's not looking like it's going to get any better in China. And um, yeah, yeah. So more to come when it comes. Let's move on to some good news now. What do you say? So I'm starting out with CBS News on the good news front. Uh, New Jersey man walks across country raising funds for homeless veterans. So if you're like me, you kind of get anxiety and you start questioning things in your life when you have to walk like a mile or two. And I know we're supposed to, you know, walk two miles with our enemy, right? If he tells us to walk one and I'm okay with that, you know, I can go the extra mile. But when it comes to like 3,000, I don't know, even for my, you know, brothers and sisters in arms here, I mean, meet me halfway. What do you say? All right, let's get on to the story and stop listening to Jack Babble. A 25-year-old New, Je- New Jersey man walked 143 days, 20 to 30 miles a day across the country, raising funds and awareness for homeless veterans. On his 10th pair of sneakers, Tommy Pasquale, strolled into the Venice Beach Friday into Venice Beach Friday with only his souped up shopping cart 
and jumped in the Pacific Ocean to celebrate the end of his fundraising journey. I walked all the way from New Jersey through Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and here to sunny Southern California, said Pasquale. His journey began at the Atlantic Ocean in New Jersey, September 19th. His goal was to raise awareness and money for the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans, as many of his friends and family are veterans in active duty. I think it's a bit shameful that brave men and women go uh, serve and protect this country and come home and not have a place to hang their hat at the end of the day, said Pasquale. Pasquale's parents, Rosanna and Peter, were in Venice to celebrate their son's mission. I'm very proud of my son, said Peter. This is one moment where he has proven himself to be more than what we could have hoped for as a, as a human being and as a son. There were days where Pasquale said he wanted to give up, jump on a plane and go home, but he stuck with his plan. Have a dream, you go for it, said Pasquale. He said he's ready to go home and get a job and sit at a desk for a while. <laughs> I believe he is. Pasquale raised over $40,000 in GoFundMe donations alone to the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. Mm. So there is a serious problem with homeless veterans. And you think about it. So me as a veteran, you know, I can tell you first and foremost, anyone who's served, you know, even the minimum of three to four years in the military, they're not dumb people. None of these veterans are. And I've met some veterans, some vets who I even myself had to say, hmm, this individual may not be all there. I've said that. Some of them, I've said that to them when I was in leadership positions. You know, it's a legitimate question. But anywho, the point I'm trying to make is these are all self-sufficient people and at some level have more patriotism than the average person for their country. And normally, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time, when these people who have served our country and end up discharged from the military for whatever reason and are on the streets, it's because of some sort of mental health issue, some sort of substance abuse issue, or something related to those, or it, there's something going on. And while I applaud this uh, guy, Mr. Pasquale, for bringing awareness to homeless veterans, um, you know, there's a, there's a deeper issue at hand and I, I don't have the answer for it. I know there are a lot of organizations that are doing a lot to bring awareness and to, you know, provide the help that these people need. But I mean, even in our own family's life, we've had, you know, direct, um, experience with a family member who, you know, went through some stuff and ended up, you know, in the worst possible way. It's sad. You don't know what to do. And at the same time, I mean, uh, it's hard because at the end of the day, a person has to want to be able to help themselves, but sometimes they've been pushed too far out of the feeling of worth and purpose to help themselves. And when that happens, it's very dangerous because, you know, if a person doesn't feel like they have purpose, then how there's nothing you can say or do that will help them. They have to take that first step and it's scary. Anyway, I'm rambling at this point. My point is, is good on this guy. You know, that's awesome. We need to bring more awareness to it. We need to make people aware that there is a situation where some of the best people in this country, um, don't have a place to live, don't have a feeling of worth and are just lost. And that sucks. So if you find a way to help whether it be an organization or a veteran on the streets or any veteran for that matter, individually, just yourself doing it, take advantage of it. 
you might end up with a very loyal, very, very good friend. I promise you, you will. All right. What's our next article here? What do I got here? Oh, this is from, uh, so if you followed football at any point in the last 15 to 20 years, you probably heard of the name Tim Tebow. <clears throat> he was a Heisman Trophy winner. I forget from what school. And just kind of fell out in the NFL. And he was most notably known for uh, praying on the sidelines and also putting scripture um, on his, you know, little black charcoal things they put on their face there. So um, he was pretty well known for being a Christian and he hasn't stopped. He's also tried to enter the NFL many times after that, but he has quite a few uh, things going on. If you follow him at all, he has quite a few good Bible studies. Uh, and he also runs a really, I think, more than one organization. But uh, it's been on his heart for a long time to help those less fortunate. And, you know, we all talk about the celebrities and the big names when they do something good for charity and stuff. But uh, this guy has literally made charity his life. Uh, he truly is walking in the footsteps of Jesus. He's doing a great job for those who are less fortunate, we'll say. So let me get into this. This is from Fox News. A night to shine for those with special needs, thanks to Tim Tebow Foundation. Ah, the cheers, the flashing cameras, the encouraging words, the red carpet experience. These are moments that those with special needs rarely have the opportunity to enjoy, and yet they get to experience these moments through the Tim Tebow Foundation's annual Night to Shine event. The evening is designed to give a prom experience centered on God's love to people with special needs. Friday night was the first time to speak at a Night to Shine event, and I watched the night unfold at Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, in total amazement. This is not the way that a night out on the town would typically go for a person with special needs. A night out can often come with stares, tension, and rude comments from people passing by at a restaurant or a store. They are seeing a nuisance, not a precious and valuable person. I know those rude comments and stares all too well. I also have special needs. I was born without either one of my arms. I accomplish everyday tasks like writing, eating, driving, or using my cell phone all with my feet. I hope he's not driving using a cell phone at the same I'm sorry. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Yet, as I venture out into the world, I constantly attract a heap of negative attention wherever I go. People have all sorts of questions as to how I accomplish tasks with my feet. Some will say that I am gross or weird right to my face. Others will try to sneakily take a photo of me on their cell phone as I eat at a restaurant or pay for groceries at the store. This is not an uncommon experience to anyone with special needs. People in wheelchairs are all too familiar with the stares they elicit as they go from aisle to aisle at their local Walmart. There are those with special needs who have loud, unexpected vocalizations that are met with shocked expressions and distasteful comments. The world does not see or understand the worth of people like this. But again, that's not a new development either. For four years ago, there was a groundswell from the Democratic Party to ensure that babies with disabilities could be aborted for any reason from conception to birth and even after birth. There are many in our culture who see children with disabilities as an inconvenience and not capable of living a full life. Their logic then leaps to, why should a life like that be born anyways? I know that logic all too well. When I was born as an armless baby who was not breathing, the doctor asked my dad, do you want us to let him go? That question re reeked of why bother with his armless life. 
That was not the last moment of opposition I faced when it came to my disability. The North Carolina public school system did not want to allow me to attend school outside of special education class because they were convinced I could not keep up with the other students. The state of North Carolina did not want me to take driver's training because they were convinced I could not be a safe driver while using my feet to drive. In the wake of the convictions of my delivery room doctor and my local government, I have lived a life that has seen a high school diploma with honors, two Bachelor of Arts degrees, a marriage of 16 years, two amazing kids, and one life that is being lived to the absolute fullest. My doubters and detractors did everything in their power to rob me of a life well lived, even from the moment of my birth. Abortion-minded doctors would have had no issue with snuffing out a life like mine. That is why we must continue to advocate for life in the womb, even in a post-Dobbs world. There is a popular phrase in the pro-life world that declares that every life has value from the womb to the tomb. The way we vote goes a long way in ensuring that life is protected in both the womb from abortion and also in the end stages of life from euthanasia. Political actions help to ensure the sanctity of human life at both the beginning and end of life, but that cannot be the sum of what it means to be wholly pro-life. The pro-life ethic is fully lived out when all people have the opportunity at life while being able to flourish in that life. It is an ethic not too dissimilar to the founding fathers when they sought for all men to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. While we see in night to sh- what we see in Night to Shine is the act of work of living out the two of the pro-life ethic in the womb to the tomb concept. Where the world casts doubt on the value of special needs lives, Night to Shine actively shows people with special needs that they are loved by God, their parents, and so many others who see the preciousness of their lives. In a world that seeks to take so much from those, special, those with special needs, there is a desperate need for us to speak value and love over their lives. Night to Shine gets us right on so gets this right on so many levels. These people with special needs are just that incredibly special in both the eyes of God and in our eyes. They need to hear that value and love proclaimed over them because they do not receive that sort of encouragement from the watching world. They need to feel safe and comfortable as they venture outside their homes on a night like this, but also on any other night of the week. We have to make strides as a culture so that this can be more than just one night for people with special needs to feel valuable and loved. We have an amazing opportunity to defend and love those li- these lives. We have a chance to watch these amazing people shine. Take any chance you have to give a person with special needs a night or even a passing moment to shine. Good stuff. So I actually uh, saw this guy. Uh, his name is Daniel Ritchie. Um, and uh, he does do other stuff for Fox, I think. But anyway, uh, Daniel Ritchie, I actually saw him on an episode with The Chosen. He was speaking to uh, the creator and director of The Chosen, uh, Dallas Jenkins. And an amazing guy. I mean, you know, those of us who have all of our arms and legs, we, you know, bicker and moan every single day about all kinds of stuff. You know, we <laughs> never think about those who don't and are living a life just as full as ours. So, you know, I think it's awesome. One that Tim Tebow was able to give people, you know, a moment, if nothing else, to feel like they're actually a person because they are actually people. They're just like us. They just have other stuff going on. Maybe they're missing an arm or a hand or something, you know, but they're people. So stop taking photos of them. In fact, maybe go up to them and say, hey, how are you? What are you doing? (laughs) You know, have a conversation with them. Treat them like a regular person because they are regular people. They just, they're missing something. All right. 
So I probably didn't say that in a way that is any good. So I apologize if you have a disability and I offended you because that was not my purpose or my point. Anyway, good on Tim Tebow. Good on him for doing something that so many others have not. So, all right, before I continue to ramble on much further, let's go on to our uh, Fox News daily or weekly scripture. They didn't have one this week. Hmm. But they did have something on Lent, uh, first Sunday of Lent. So I'm not going to pick at denominations or anything or even Catholicism. But I am going to point out that the uh, author of this was uh, Christine Roussel, and she is Catholic, um, saying that. Whether you're from one denomination or another or no denomination, keep in mind, you know, have some compassion and some grace to all of us because we're all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We all have little things here and there that might not be right or what another person agrees upon. So, you know, don't be mean just because they're Catholic. All right. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Don't be mean. Be nice. All right. First Sunday of Lent. The time is not just for penance, but for God's abundant mercy, says faith leader. The 40 days of this year's Lenten season started this past week on Ash Wednesday. That was last Wednesday, by the way. As faithful Christians all over the world began the spiritual commemoration of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert when he was tempted by Satan. While Lent is known for being a time of penance and preparation ahead of celebration of Easter, it's also considered a time of God's abundant mercy said Catholic author and international speaker, Katie McGrady. Lent is a season of mercy, said McGrady. She holds a degree in theology from University of Dallas. We sometimes turn it into a season of personal punishment so as to seem holy, but any penance we take on, any prayer practice we add to our routine, and any generous gifts we make are meant to draw us closer to God, she said. And he is the God of mercy. Amen. And so in Lent, to be closer to God is to be closer to his mercy, which he longs to lavish upon us. Lent is observed by some, but not all, Christian denominations. For the first Sunday of Lent, Catholic churches around the world will be proclaiming Psalm 51, which has the refrain, Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Sin, along with death and taxes, are three things inevitable in this life. We don't like to dwell on any of them, quite frankly, even though perhaps we should, She said, those who dwell on death should do well to think how we can live life to the fullest so as to greet death like an old friend when it arrives. When it comes to taxes, McGrady noted that paying them on time makes it least a little less surprising. Sin, however, even in its seemingly inevitability, is best thought of as something worth resisting rather than something to dwell on. Sin exists because broken and fallen people exist. But mercy exists all the more. A loving God longs to approach us with the gift of forgiveness. Like taxes and death, his mercy, swift and complete and all-encompassing, is assured. God's mercy, however, is not just a wiping clean of the slate, as if God instantly forgets how we've fallen and failed. She went on, the mercy of God is an outpouring of his perfect and abundant love, a compassion so great there's nothing to compare it to in this world. It's mysterious and hard to accept for ourselves because we often feel unworthy of God's mercy. 
She said it's even harder still for us to give it to others, especially if we imagine others are undeserving also. Despite this, humanity is still desperate for God's mercy, she said, comparing this mercy to water on a hot day or a blanket during a cold night. God's abundant mercy quenches our thirst and warms our cold sinner's heart. It is what we long for, what we need, and what heals us in ways beyond our understanding. When praying Psalm 51, Christians who are crying out, be merciful, O Lord, know they need God's mercy, as sin is an inevitable reality. Sin, however, is not the only inevitability. So too is the mercy he will give us. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, what are you doing this Lent? What are you giving up? I don't know. That's probably what most of you are saying. I don't know. Me neither. Yeah. See, I don't know. I have my own opinion on Lent and such. See, Lent isn't actually in the Bible, as it was said early on in this. It's actually something we came up with in preparation for the Easter celebration to, you know, kind of reflect the 40 days Jesus spent in the desert overcoming temptation. And we're supposed to do the same thing. I would argue, and again, this has nothing to do with this. This is just Jack's opinion. I would argue it's better practice to actually fast periodically throughout the year. Fast something, give up something, you know, have your own personal Lent throughout the year. It's a great way, and I'll tell you firsthand, a great way to remind yourself how much you need to rely on Jesus every single day. You know, especially when you're fasting, when you're giving it up, you might think that, you know, oh, I can do without breakfast for two weeks. Well, go ahead and try it. See how you feel at noon by the second day. I promise you'll be praying a lot more than you do now. Anyway, that's my two cents. Happy Lent, everybody. Practice it wisely. (laughs) All right. Why don't you all pray with me before I keep rambling? Father God, thank you for this new week and our opportunities to serve you and the people around us. Keep us motivated to shine the light of Christ and help us listen for your spirit as we go through each day. Thank you for the examples you have provided in others we talked about today who remind us of what it means to be a Christian. We pray for those around the world who are persecuted for following Jesus. Give them courage, strength, and perseverance to withstand the forces coming against them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. It always starts with a little light in the darkness.